Today, I am purposely going to start a series of the seven I am statements of Jesus. The seven things that Jesus said he was, the I am's. And today I'll be in the sixth chapter of John, where he claims to be the bread of life. We're going to pick it up at verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Well, now this has been an interesting few days in the life of Jesus and the disciples. For we see in this particular passage that Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000 men plus women and children. And you notice what it says, that they wanted to make him king by force. So Jesus withdrew into a mountain. The disciples that evening pushed off of the shore. There was the storm. Jesus appeared to them. And then all of a sudden, we have this experience where the people followed him over across the Sea of Galilee into Capernaum. Now we pick him up into Capernaum. And so Jesus does three things about the bread of life. First of all, he says it saves. Jesus said, I am. Remember when Moses was at the burning bush? He was asking God after 40 years of shepherding. I mean, I was run out of Egypt. I know I was in the Pharaoh's family. But the people of Israel won't receive me. They... Who all I say will, had sent me? Jesus said, I mean, God said, tell them I am sent you. Yahweh is the Hebrew word. I am Yahweh sent you. So Jesus is claiming to be Yahweh. So Moses' answer from God at the burning bush is what Jesus tells them. Now, as we see, the next day the crowd stayed on the opposite shore of the lake they realized that only one boat had been there, that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats, went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, they're asking we had our fill of food just yesterday. That was a miracle. Obviously, it was a miracle. And we tried to make you king against your wishes. And yet, we know that we're hungry again today. So what we really need 
is more bread. That's what we need. You see, it is the way we do. We seek this temporary satisfaction. The basic cause of our, our troubles is our separation from God. But I want you to see something here. Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me because you saw, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Now you're hungry again. Do you not work for food that spoils, but food that endures, which the Son of Man will give you? Now I want you to see in verse 28. I was sharing this with Mary Jo earlier. You know, people haven't changed ever. I mean, our cultural context changes, clothing changes, backgrounds change, but people don't change. You notice what they say in verse 28. When, then they ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? They were a deeply religious people. They were looking for religious acts to satisfy God. That's what religious people do. They want to know what they need to do in their own strength, in their own power, to satisfy God. What are the things that we must do to do the works that God requires? What is it exactly? They've been doing all these religious works. Do we have, what do we do? Do we have more Sabbaths, uh, recognitions? Do we, do we have more celebrations? Do we have more festivities? What do we do? Do we have more religious ceremonies? Do we have more religious rules and regulations? God only knows how many there were in place at that particular time. So, what does Jesus say? The work of God is to do this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. Wait a minute. For those of you that were raised in a strong, formal religion, whatever that might have been, and you have been taught all your life, these are the things that you've got to do to know God. A, B, C, D, E. When you come into this particular building, these are the things you've got to do. When you get up in the morning, these are the things you've got to do. All of these things. You know, Baptists were not immune to this either. We had the seven-point record-keeping system. You've got to attend church, read your Bible, make your contacts, tithe, go to church, worship, et cetera, et cetera. These were the things that we know we had to do. But Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe. Now, how simple can that be? So he says, in verse 32, uh, let me bounce down to verse 35 before I go there. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So what does Jesus say to you and me today? Religious works? There are a whole lot of things that we need to do? Are there a lot of legalistic uh, expectations that are being thrust upon us? What Jesus says is simply this. Come and believe. Because if you really believe in Jesus, you're going to come. And if you come, you're going to really believe in Jesus. Come and believe. Now, why do we complicate that? We like to put so many asterisks on the end of it. There's always that and. Come and believe and. Boy, we like to add those things, don't we? And by the way, there's other things that you have to do too, we say. So 
Everyone who believes will be saved. Verse 40 says, Jew and Gentile, whosoever, everyone. Jew, Gentile, non-Jew, young, old, rich, poor, thin, fat, whoever. It doesn't really matter. Everyone, he says, who, verse 40, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son out of any tribe, any nation, any language group, any ethnic group, it doesn't really matter. Whoever would come to Him would be saved. And everyone who believes will have eternal life. Now, the basic cause of our troubles, of course, is separation from God. We have come to realize that from the very beginning that God has created us with an emptiness. He created us in His own image, but He created us with an emptiness. And that emptiness can only be filled with Jesus, His only begotten Son. And so that emptiness that we, we have, our natural instinct, our natural instinct is to fill it with everything but Jesus. We want to fill it with drugs, with sex, with, with money, with, with prestige, with power, with, with fame, with activities and pursuits and on and on and on. And yet it still leaves us empty. We're still wanting more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. And so that eternity that God's put there helps us to realize what C.S. Lewis says is that if I've come to realize that there's nothing on this earth that can fully, completely satisfy me, then I come to the realization that I was created for another world. And we are created in God's image to live in eternity with Him. But the deal is, is that He calls us, but we have to come. If we don't come, we can't receive it. And so... Here we are, our hunger for eternity is actually a gift from God, just like our physical hunger is a gift from God so that we will understand we need nutrition. Our thirst is a gift from God so that we will understand that we need water. Our bodies are created by Him in His own image for His own glory to be inhabited by Him through the Holy Spirit. And so the hunger and thirst are God's gift to us that that we know that we need to treat this body. Now, I agree, some of us are hungrier and thirsty than we need to be. But on the other hand, it's a gift from God. Now, our spiritual hunger, likewise, is a gift from God. That emptiness that you have in your heart, that you have tried over the years to fill through any other pursuit than Jesus Christ is a gift from God because he's telling us it cannot be fulfilled except through Jesus. Now, Secondly, he satisfies. You know, in those days, uh, the Roman government had kind of a slogan. They said, bread and circuses. Bread and circuses. That was the Roman government way of saying that they used food and entertainment to keep the people happy. They knew that if they could just give them bread and have circuses, everything would be all right. They even had 93 days that they used as holidays so that the people of, uh, in the Roman Empire could just have some fun. Now, I'm saying 2,000 years later, we hadn't come a long way. 
Because if you really want to, if you really want to satisfy Americans today or anyone else in the world, you're going to give them food and entertainment. They'll do anything in the world that you want them to do if you feed them and entertain them. Why do you think we fall over our, ourselves for athletes and Hollywood stars and so on and so forth? Because they're our entertainers. We love it. So, bread and circuses. Why do I say that? Because Jesus says, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And they said, in verse 30, they asked him, what miraculous sign did, then will you give me that we may see it and believe you? Because we are sign seekers. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, it's kind of interesting because the rabbis of old would tell the Jews that a sign of the Messiah was to replicate the manna back in Exodus that Moses saw given to the people of Israel. And so they were looking for manna from heaven. And Jesus is saying, here, the manna from heaven satisfied temporarily. Me, I will satisfy you for all eternity. Not only for life, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I'm come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly, but I will satisfy you for all eternity. For he who believes in Jesus, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He is the resurrection and the life. So our, our deepest hunger is for an intimate relationship and a fellowship with God. And that relationship with God can be served and fulfilled only through Jesus Christ, period. We are after what Jesus has. Now here's the problem sometimes. We fall in love more with the bread that he has rather than the bread of life that he is. Sometimes we seek more after the healing than the healer. Sometimes we seek more after the person who can raise you from the dead than the person who has been raised from the dead. So, are you seeking after what Jesus can do for you? Are you seeking after him personally? That becomes a real question that we have. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Psalms 107.9 says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Isaiah 55.2 said, Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? They've already asked him, What do we need to do? How do we need to work for this bread? What do we need to do to receive this? And Jesus responded to them. I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives you the, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Gives life. Jesus is the bread that gives us life. I love bread. All of us probably at one time or another love bread. We love Italian bread, French bread. There's so many different kinds of bread today. One of the things that Mary Jo and I really enjoy about uh, other countries is their bread. They know, as in the time of Jesus especially, they know that bread 
was considered the staff of life. You could, you could live your life on bread and water. Bread and water was, was it. But I, came, I come to hunger and thirst after that for which Jesus is, not for what he can do for me. Because he claims to be greater than manna. Manna was something they had to gather every day and then it spoiled. And so he sustains, manna sustained life temporarily, but Jesus gives life abundant and eternal. Physical food satisfied only their physical need. Spiritual food satisfied your deepest need, and that is that need to know God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are personally or intimately uh, with the Lord, but it is that deep satisfaction that comes by knowing him intimately and personally. I've had so many people over, over the last couple of weeks tell me, I never knew that I could actually have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what it meant. I don't know what it, what it uh, felt like. The idea of having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ was just something that I, I just foreign to me. But the reality is, is that when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you start drawing closer to the Father through His Son, then intimacy with God the Father becomes a reality. And you can't explain it necessarily. You can't explain the joy that is welling up inside your heart, mind, and soul. You can't explain necessarily all the things that transpire in that walk with the Lord, but you can explain the fact that it all started when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, he not only satisfies, but he strengthens. You see, we can't be strengthened by Christ if, if we're in our own strength. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for his thorn to be removed. And the answer from God was simple. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, my power, is manifested through your weakness. My power my strength is manifested through your weakness. So we come to that realization as we uh, move on in life that when I am at my weakest because of my faith in Jesus Christ, he is at his strongest through me. And it is his power that comes manifested. He strengthens us by giving that energy and that wisdom and the power to do what he wants us to do on a daily basis. The Father gives men and women to the Son, but they must first come to Him. It's the will of the Father that these sinners be saved. For my Father's will is that the Son, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last. At this they began to grumble. Why do people grumble? King James says murmur. They did this all through the 40-year wilderness experience. Murmuring, grumbling, manna again, if we only had meat to eat. So then they had quails, then they grumbled, murmured. Why do we grumble? Why is that human nature to be dissatisfied with what we have? Why is the human nature to, to grumble about something of that nature? God can't strengthen us when we're grumbling. And then he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? It can't be the Messiah. 
Because we know his father, it was Joseph. What they didn't know is that Joseph was the stepfather. His real father was obviously God the Father. But they knew Mary. I mean, he stayed. We watched Jesus grow up at the carpenter's bench. We saw him there in Nazareth. This can't be the Messiah. Surely not. But he says, and now how can he, can he now say, I came down from heaven? So Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now there's always that tension, and I know there's that tension between divine sovereignty and human response. Okay? Just like with Adam and Eve when God gave them the opportunity not to sin, to exercise their will to do the right thing and not eat of the tree that God forbid them to eat of. There's that human will being created in the image of God that draws tension with us in the divine sovereignty of God and the freedom of choice of mankind. We must first come to him, and then once we come to him, he embraces us. And Jesus says that these, I, I will not reject anyone who the Father sends to me. He says, I will never drive away. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up the last day. So the Father gives men and women to the Son as after they come to him. It is the Father's will that sinners be saved and those who trust Jesus become secure in that reality. Now my question with you, do you know this bread of life? Have your deepest longings, your deepest hungers and thirst been met in Jesus Christ? Are you still finding there's an emptiness there in your heart, in your mind, in your soul to an extent that maybe there's just something here that I've missed. Maybe all of my religion uh, in my background has been for naught. Maybe when I come to Jesus, I'm, I'm like the same men. I just ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? What kind of religious activity must I be engaged in in order to satisfy God? But in reality, God says, there's not a thing you can do but believe in my only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, because it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of men, lest any of us should boast. It is that that God is offering us today. So, whoever you are, whatever age you are, whatever your background, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the time to do that. If you're looking for an opportunity to begin serving him somewhere, this is that opportunity. Serve him here at Trinity. I know of no other place I'd rather serve the Lord than here at Trinity Baptist Church. And then finally, maybe you're looking uh, at an opportunity in this capacity through a spirit of rededication to offer yourself to the Lord. Maybe you've been looking at all the wrong looking at it all the wrong way in the sense that you've all along been asking, Lord, what must I do to do the works that God requires? And God simply says, 
Come and believe. Come and believe. Let's have a word of prayer. Our most gracious Father, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord God, I know there are decisions being made even now. Father, I thank you for who you are and for what you're accomplishing here. So be with us now, Lord Jesus, and be with those who are making decisions of any magnitude. Father, may they honor and glorify you above all things. Thank you for what you're doing. For what It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. I'm going to be down here at the front. Let's all stand and sing the hymn of invitation. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord lays on your heart.